0: Welcome everyone to a new episode of the transcript podcast. You've got me, Scott Chrisloff. I'm editor of the transcript. You've also got Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. And today we're joined by a special guest, Sam Rowe, someone who's been a good friend of the transcript and we've known for a long time. Today, we'll go through the newsletter that we sent out last week, and we'll also preview earnings season for Q2, which is starting up. This week as well and so sam will be helping us with that in terms of what we saw last week i think the theme of the newsletter was that demand st- still is very strong we're seeing a lot of a lot of quotes from people saying that demand is strong and that there's not signs of consumer weakness but the the issue with this of course is that keeping inflation expectations higher especially at the fed and the fed is indicating that it'll be aggressive in, in continuing to raise rates and and trying to fight inflation and inflation expectations so this is despite all of the concerns about recession that we're seeing, we're not seeing any data to support recession now, but the the Fed very well may push us into a recession anyways, as it, as it is aggressive. Sam or Eric, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's sort of the tragic irony of the state of the economy right now, where strength when it comes to demand is exactly the kind of thing that's fueling um the inflation because of persistent supply chain constraints and limited capacity and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I think this is gonna be a hot thing to to pay attention to, especially when, with, with earnings season checking off. To what degree are our businesses and and consumers continuing to pay up for what's what's been higher priced goods. I mean, it's because of the sort of the financial st- strength of, of businesses and, and consumers that so many businesses have been able to increase prices and that's the inflation that we're seeing so so yeah it's a bizarre problem economic strength is is causing this problem and, and the fed has been very explicit about wanting to to bring cool that demand off
2: yeah and the dp i think my out to quotes from the meat is of course like demand is still holding up pretty really strongly and the fed wants the economy to slow down so i think they may have to do a lot more to slow down the economy and perhaps maybe raise rates higher than they expected going forward but then of course they, 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 on the other hand they don't want to slow it down too much that it gets down to a recession point and of course the worry this week also is and that's and has been the past couple of weeks is will this slowdown lead to a recession and it's so far, it seems likely not. And I think that's what is a key takeaway. And I wonder also like from the jobs reports, cause you guys are more in the U S what, what exactly were you taking in some of the quotes that we see that the labor market still doing quite okay. It's
1: it, it, it all confirmed the same things that you guys have been writing about is that demand is strong. There was. I I forgot exactly what the number was, but it was over 300,000 jobs were created in June. And this is going on four or five months of rate hikes now. So as the Fed has been increasingly tightening monetary policy, and sure, everyone's concerned about recession and demand and all this stuff. But the hard data is saying that employers are continuing to hire at a very healthy clip. And so what does that mean? It means businesses are essentially investing in their own businesses and they're expanding their capacity. And as they bring on all these people, that's a lot more people who now have income to go back and spend that in the economy. So yeah, underlying strength from a fundamental perspective. But but yeah, that's exactly the problem that the Fed is running into from a inflationary pressure perspective.
0: Yeah, I think the... Demand that we're seeing, I look at as a coincident indicator, not necessarily a leading indicator. And that's where some of my concern comes from, I think, especially to the extent that like a strong employment environment and strong demand environment gives the Fed more cover to raise more aggressively. And I think that this is a period in a potential transition to a recession where the coincidental economic data doesn't necessarily show where the, where the ball is going. And that, that is my concern. Of course, it's atypical dynamics that we're seeing on an inflation perspective anyways, because you've had supply chains that were heavily impacted by COVID and you're starting to see commodity prices coming down pretty, pretty rapidly as well. This could be one of the, the rare circumstances where we do get some sort of soft landing, so to speak, where the inflation numbers just start to peter out and the fed can, can then maintain monetary policy at a more neutral rate. It, but as we've talked about on other podcasts, it, that has typically not been the most likely outcome. Is is to have that soft landing. So it's, I think personally, I am still concerned about recession, like everyone else. It just may not be materializing quite yet.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. That, that that's the problem with so much of the data that that we get is that it's lagging. Right. I mean, just just this morning, Monday morning, the New York Fed released its monthly survey of consumer expectations and their one year ahead consumers one year ahead of expectations for inflation jumped to another new record high however this survey was conducted mid to late june when gasoline prices at least in the us were still hovering at record highs and more current data from organizations like aaa and the eia will tell you that the national average gasoline price has been declining for the last 3 or 4 weeks so and that's not to mention the fact that there's all these studies, I'd say that things like monetary policy and higher interest rates filter into the economy a lag. So we have all these lagging indicators. We have coincident indicators saying all these different things. And then in a couple of weeks, everyone's expecting the Fed to continue to hike rates at an aggressive pace based on a lot of this information that could be on a lag. So yeah. The, I think it it definitely raises the the risk of a recession happening, but there are also some pretty good leading indicators too, that I think suggest that any kind of landing doesn't have to be a hard one, right? Yes, the jobs data comes on, is coincident or is on a bit of a lag, but there's still 11 million job openings. And to me, that's a, a pretty decent leading indicator of, of, sort of unmet and pent up demand. So I think that's going to continue to put a floor on on things like the labor market as the Fed continues to tighten.
2: So a quick question, I mean, some of the quotes that you picked up indicate that the consumer is actually feeling the pressure. What are some of the areas perhaps you guys check out in terms of leading indicators? Anything that you're watching? Yeah, I could start. I mean, well, so the last uh, personal
1: income and spending report that also came with the core PCE price index report, there's a couple of things to be said here. Core PCE price index has not established new peaks, kind of like how the CPI report did last Uh, last month, which many sort of blame for, for the fed getting increasingly hawkish. So there are some measures of, of inflation that are coming up. They're still very high and certainly not anywhere near a a place where the fed gets comfortable, but, but there there's evidence that those prices are coming up from the consumer perspective, which, you know, 70% of, of GDP is personal consumption expenditures. That may be showing some cracks, but it's really ambiguous at this point. So the last personal consumption expenditures reading for for the month of June showed that nominal spending continued to increase, but on a real basis, actually decreased. So maybe there's a little bit of of cracks showing up there when it comes to the consumer. That said, the the more anecdotal evidence does not seem to be in line with what you would expect in terms of consumers concerned about their own concern about the economy, concern about their job, concerned about their own finances. It's enough to just turn on the news and see how much, to what degree everyone is continued to continues to travel and does a lot of vacation spending. It's not a huge part of consumption expenditures, but it it's it's a somewhat discretionary type of spending. And there was another recent report that came out of from Bank of America that did some analysis on their consumer behavior based off of their card spending data, the debit card and credit
0: card spending data.
1: They did some historical analysis and found that during recessionary periods, consumers tend to trade down when it comes to the types of restaurants they go to. So if you're a fine dining person, you go down to sort of casual dining restaurants. If you're a casual dining type of person, then you're spending more time at quick service, fast food types of restaurants. They're not seeing anything like that happen. And I think that was actually confirmed recently by the Darden Re- earnings where they were noticing that their high-end restaurants like Capitol grill and, and the, 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 the restaurants with higher price points have actually seen the, have actually outperformed some of their more modestly priced offerings. So it, it's just a really strange situation where consumer will fill out a survey and say that they feel terrible about the state of the economy, but they're gonna do an upgrade to what they order at the steakhouse they they, they go to next week.
2: Yeah. So beyond the consumer stuff, are any other quotes that maybe stood out use you, Scott, this week? I think one of the things that stood out to me is
0: the, are the quotes that we had about the situation in China of seeing reopening happening in China, that Chinese domestic travel is rebounding strongly, even faster and above levels that it was in 2019 already. I think that China's reopening, not only is it a significant global economy, but it is also a significant global economy to the supply chain. And so especially some of the inflationary forces that we saw that we're were building at the beginning of this year were due to China closing down for COVID. So again, it's another healing step in the supply chain that should be theoretically a, a deflationary force or disinflationary force rather than an inflationary force. So that's another one that's stacking up in a positive, positive route. How about you, Eric? Anything you saw?
2: I think the PC and smartphones one kind of learns to be a bit more core, like, to pay attention to it, especially since last time, we also noticed something to do with PC weaknesses and then the same quarter, Apple uh, reported some mass lump in, uh, in terms of like their, their their sales in this area. So I think this is a very important, it's, I think it's micro technologies that say that they're seeing weaknesses in PC demand and also like smartphones. And because of that, they are actually reducing their forecast for 2022 for uh, by 10% year-over-year growth. So I think that's, it's a small thing, but it may actually have an impact across the, the the makers of of phones and PCs and something that should be paid attention to, I would say. And beyond that, of course, the other thing is the the retailers who are stuck with a lot of excess inventory, Uh, demand has dropped, especially for, uh, I think, goods. Uh, switch to services, of course, and because of that, then they're stuck with a lot of inventory and Helen of Trey was very specific that they may take them a couple of quarters to actually go through some of their, because they don't want to sell it in the So I think that's something that to be paid attention to. Yeah. I mean, I think
0: those two data points around the PC decline and also the, the bloated inventories, both actually dovetail with the consumer questions that we were asking as well, where we're trying to see, discern where is their weakness in the consumer. And we've we've put forward some hypotheses that we've seen on the transcript of, of that the lower income consumer is getting hit harder than a high income consumer. I think that's certainly one thing that's happening. But another thing that's definitely happening on a big scale is just the shift from goods back to service consumption. And I think, so you're seeing over inventories where there were were goods being purchased in furniture and in fitness equipment, even in PCs, and then you're seeing strength again where Sam was talking about at Darden, people are going out to restaurants and they're ordering the biggest steak that they can, or people are splurging, bingeing on travel, etc. And so that is probably explaining some of the dynamic in the consumer as well as we're talking about this. But any thoughts, additionally, Sam? Yeah, no, I think I
1: think you're you're that that really sort of hits the nail on the head. And I think, I think this sort of ends up becoming one of the big wildcards of earnings season and and just, just generally speaking, the next couple of months. And I think I actually had a newsletter titled (laughs) the bullish wildcard scenario and and people can debate whether or not it's, it's considered bullish or or not, but this whole matter of the so-called bullwhip effect in inventories, this idea that there might be an, an overcorrection going on. Maybe not across every single segment of business in the economy, but we've heard about certain retailers saying certain categories are now, they have too much inventory. There are these anecdotes about certain types of electronics where we suddenly have plenty of chips for certain kinds of electronics. And then, yeah, this the shift to, from goods to services. Uh, you know, I think prices for for durable goods and 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 that kind of thing starts to cool off. But but yeah, getting back to what you were saying, Scott, about China and the reopening over there, everything from the ISM surveys to a lot of the regional Fed survey manufacturing surveys in in the last month have all noted that supplier delivery times have improved significantly. Like we're, we're getting back, basically back to sort of levels last seen, like in 2000, before anybody was complaining about supply chain delays and stuff like this, goods, goods are getting delivered. Pricing might be lagging a little bit, but for the, for, for many categories, people have stopped complaining about this idea that they, they can't get something in a store all the all the store shelves now appear to be stocked it's just a matter of maybe the pricing is a little bit high and that's that's lagging a bit but yeah it, it's it's going to be really that's i think it's going to be an interesting thing to be paying attention to is yes we we know about china and yes we know about these surveys about delivery times improving the question becomes what does inventory levels look like for a, a lot of the companies that are going to start announcing earnings and even Even Nike was saying that there are some, some areas where inventories grew a lot faster than, than, than sales. Sales ended up lagging the inventory growth. So, and, and all, all this stuff ordering inventory and stocking your, your, your shelves, like this is all planned months in ahead. Right. And so companies are, are receiving goods. That they ordered during a time when before everyone started cutting their estimates for GDP growth. So, so this is going to be, I think going to be probably the other really big thing to to follow in the coming weeks is to what degree did and what industries and what uh, categories of goods and services has there been an overcorrection when it comes to inventory?
2: Yeah. And Scott, maybe to pick up on that, what are your key, maybe things that you're watching as we go into earnings season? I know you watch a lot of the bank earnings, which are starting this week. Are you hoping for profits or a bit of cutback and going into the recession?
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to see, I assume that earnings season is going to be rough on a lot of companies this quarter, which is what I'll be looking for is the extent to which earnings are being impacted by the inflationary forces. So just margin declines in general. And then one kind of like really bare hypothesis that I'm just tracking, I'm not sure I subscribe to though, is just as you're seeing, there was so much stimulus that was put into the economy in 2020 and 2021, that that really ramped earnings in such an extreme way relative to anything that I've really seen before. And I'm, I'm wondering as the stimulus has come out, did it impact earnings so much that you're actually going to see an earnings decline from it? that we actually had this inflated earnings. Honestly, the only time in history that I can think of that you have like a protracted earnings decline was the depression. In World War II, you had a big surge in, in inflation and this was really at a GDP level. You had a surge in GDP and then everybody said, oh, well, you're, the stimulus is getting pulled out. You're going to go back to GDP. That's like 70% of where it was because just based on the stimulus. And it turned out the inflation kept GDP plus the productivity gains kept GDP where it was basically. And so that's my actual base case on earnings, but it would be just like an unprecedented thing to see earnings ramp up and then come back down from the actual fiscal stimulus that we had, not to mention the monetary, but.
2: So yeah, for me, perhaps to add on to that, same as Sam, I'm tracking inventories very keenly to see how they're doing. We've seen some quotes of supply chains easing, as Sam also has pointed out, so I'm also still watching out for that. Some, there's some pockets, as some of the semiconductor companies are seeing, there, there are some pockets where you have like still some shortages, so you want to try. And something I've learned this week especially is that uh, it's really good to be early with the identifying when some industries have an oversupply. And one of the industries, of course, they're paying very keen attention to is uh, semiconductors heading into these earnings seasons, how that impacts OEMs and all these other companies around them. So definitely going to be a very exciting earning season. Any closing thoughts from the
1: Yeah, I just wanted to follow up real quickly um, on Scott, what you said about the sort of bear case scenario of, of earnings potentially, or even revenue declining because of the, the sort of lapsed effect of, of stimulus. And I guess it's also sort of one of these weird ironies of supply chain constraints, right? Where in many ways, sales and earnings could have been a whole lot higher in recent quarters. And I think we've heard this in at least the last two quarters worth of earnings calls where companies were actually complaining about the fact that they're Because demand was (laughs) outpacing supply, that they didn't have the workers, that they didn't have the stuff to sell, that it is still a a matter of pent-up demand. And then, just from a strict government transfers financial component of of that conversation is concerned, there's still a lot of evidence out there suggesting that consumers are sitting on, at least U.S. consumers are are sitting on a decent amount of the so-called excess savings in addition to what they would have saved based off of trend rates. There's evidence that, that, that savings is being tapped, but, but that, that's another one of those sort of weird wildcards in that maybe the remnants, the unspent portions of, of fiscal stimulus from a year or two ago. Because that's still sitting on, on some people's bank accounts, that that sort of ends up becoming like a lagged stimulus. If if there is a slowdown that's coming. One thing that I don't think we've, we've mentioned, and I think it was sort of implied was the impact of, of, of foreign exchange. You know, there was, there's been a lot of like notes circulating today about the impact of of a stronger dollar relative to a lot of non-dollar currencies and how that could impact, I guess, sort of any sort of revenue and earnings that that ends up getting repatriated into the US. I think the dollar index is up like 16% since the beginning of the year. And it was about a month ago that Microsoft files an 8K and actually cut their Q2 revenue and earnings guidance because of foreign exchange. I think it was really interesting that no other major companies followed up and said the same thing. They've, they've been pretty quiet. So that seems to be something that would be of interest. I don't know, maybe it turns into one of these one-time items that that gets, you know, added back in. But I think there'll be a lot of interest in that, especially since a strong dollar is part of this whole tighter financial conditions thing that the Fed is aiming for in the context of trying to slow the economy. So yeah, to what degree is, is the stronger dollar actually eating into earnings i think will be really interesting
2: oh uh, that would be a good place to close the earnings season preview this week thank you sir for joining us and thank you scott so we continue following up on the rest of the earnings season on the transcript and also some dot, dot co see you again next week guys bye for now